0: So much, Erica, for that song. What a what a great thought to start our retreat. Lord, search me, search me, oh God. I hope that that is your prayer. Um, we are privileged tonight to have with us evangelist Jeremiah Clark. I first uh, met uh, Jeremiah in 2005, which was probably before some of you were even born. But um, he was the activities director at uh, the Christian College that I went to. And uh, I got to uh, know him a little bit, had a couple of summers, I was able to travel with him, he was the the team leader, and uh, over the years has um, become a friend. And I'm thankful for his testimony, and I'm thankful uh, the Lord allowed you to be here with us. Brother Jeremiah, you come preach to us, sir.
1: Thank you, Brother Scott. Uh, I consider Mr. Pastor, Reverend Bishop Scott, whatever you call him, I consider him a good friend, and I'm very thankful for this opportunity. Um, to be here. Um, we had, I had a flight in that was, I've been on a lot of air, airplanes, and that was the roughest flight I've ever been on without a doubt. They said it's probably going to have some turbulence uh, on the way there, and probably the first half hour felt like uh, I was in a jeep and a third world country. I'm just telling you straight, honestly, uh, the girl behind me was crying and her mom was like, she was a probably high school student. She's, I don't know if it was her first flight or anything, but she was trying to assure her it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And the lady up there got sick and everything. And so they were like, every time anybody got up out of their chair, they were like, you need to be seated. It's this dangerous flight, those kind of things. So we got closer. It wasn't so bad, but, uh, You know, I I was kind of enjoying it because you know most flights are just boring. You just sit there and listen to air, (laughs) and uh, so I was like, oh, this is fun. And then it it was rough. I mean, it was I was holding on to stuff. It was that rough. So I don't think that this week is going to be or this weekend is going to be that way when I'm preaching. I hope I hope you're not holding on to things like this is rough. Uh, I do want you to enjoy it when I when when I preach. I want it to be something that people enjoy, but that they get something out of. I really appreciated that song that was just sung, uh, because that's, that's exactly what we need. And I was thinking about, this is called your, normally it's called your midwinter retreat. Is that correct? And I thought about retreat, and you know, I'm a guy. So when I think like retreat, I think in the context of, like, I don't know, military. But I thought, you know what, it's not always that. And, and it sounds almost bad, like, oh, we, we have to retreat. It'll, bad things are happening, you know. But I thought, you know, sometimes a retreat is a good thing. You know, hey, we've accomplished our purpose. We're, we're where we need to be, so let's, let's pull back a little bit, and let's discuss things and assess where we are, and then we can move forward. And that is what this mid-rent retreat is. This is what this rekindle is. It's like, okay, you know, the fire has done what it's done, But uh, maybe we need to assess things and decide how we want to go forward with this. And that's what you need to be doing with your life during the preaching times. We want you to have fun. Uh, It wasn't like Pastor Scott's like, what can we do to spend money and not be fun? (laughs) Um, But let's have some fun. Let's eat some good food. Let's have some good fellowship. But at the same time, what we're trying to do more importantly is say, okay, there's some things in my life. And I thought about that song, and I thought, that's great. Because that's what God's going to do, is He's going to search your heart, and He's going to show you some things. And, and some of those things might be negatives, might be things that, okay, they shouldn't be there, and they need to be eradicated out of your heart, but some of those things may be good things that aren't there that God says, here's what you need to add to your life. You're in a stage of life where there's a lot of growth, right? There's a lot of mental growth, spiritual growth, hopefully, and physical growth, all those things, and God is trying to put these things together so that you can be the person that He wants you to be. And so I'm thankful that I can be here uh, for this. I, I, Brother Scott, when he, when he asked me, I said, well, you're taking a risk, but... but uh, you know, that the risk is all on you. And he's like, well, he'll willingly take it. And so I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm excited about this. The last time I was here, it was in the old building and it was during COVID. And so it was different. Everything was different then. And uh, this, I've seen pictures of the building and, and I saw, you know, people out here with Carts and carpet squares, putting carpet squares down, and who knows what else they were doing. And uh, so I've kind of watched from afar on Facebook to see, you know, the, the building and everything. But I mean, I had no idea. I know it's in Herndon. That's about all I know. I couldn't have found it for the life of me. But I'd like to know a little bit about you. How many of you are, how, how what's the youngest group? what's, Raise your hand if you're in the, what, what group are you? Sixth grade, seventh grade, ninth grade? Eighth graders are, are the youngest group. Okay. No, no. You're not the youngest, good news. Seventh graders, anybody below seventh grade? Oh, you, well, that was fast. <laughs> that hand went down so fast. Okay, so how many of you are seventh grade? Okay, great, 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 great. Uh, how many of you are eighth grade? Or, oh, more seventh graders maybe. Ninth grade? Tenth grade? Eleventh? Any twelfth? Okay. Good for you. Good for you. Hi from your brother, but he didn't say hi. <laughs> uh, I just told him I'd tell your dad I'd say hi. So there you go. And then probably somebody's sister. I, I, there was a oh, it, no. You don't have sister, do you? But hi from your brother. Um, the, there was, a, there was a girl said, "Hey, you're going to my church today." Your sister? Oh, okay. Well, she didn't say hi, but hi. <laughs> um, well, good, good. Big old clocks, I can't miss it. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't know how young Timothy was, but Timothy was a guy that traveled with Paul as Paul was going around starting churches and then going back through and establishing, helping strengthen them. And so he left Timothy in Ephesus to pastor that church. And... uh, I I don't know how old he was, but, I mean, could it be possible that he was 17? Can you imagine that? This guy comes to your church, maybe like me, but. I don't know if you'd want to travel with me. And, and I'm like, hey guys, look, this is what I do. I, I go from place to place and I and I preach and we're gonna try to start churches. We're gonna invite people to an area or we're gonna find people that are seeking for God and we're gonna we're gonna help them find Jesus and then help them form a group. And and I may leave you in one of those towns, and it's your job to pastor that church. Can you imagine that? I mean, some of you are like not far from uh from that, and I don't know how old Timothy was again, but what if what if that was the case? I think that would be kind of cool. You know, just some guy coming through town like, sure, I'll, I'll ride with you. We'll go someplace and start churches. And there's plenty of opportunity for that. But Paul was writing Timothy this letter to encourage him and to instruct him. And in the first part of the chapter, he's talking about how bad it's going to be in the last days. And it's not good for us to say, well, that's in our future because it's in our present it was in his present, but he was just saying, hey, things are going to get worse and worse in your life, Timothy, and things are going to get worse and worse in the world, and we're living in some of those last days, and he talks about you know, the bad people or the bad situations and those kind of things, and I mean, that first half of the chapter, he's talking about people that we know of that did magical things. He talks about uh, Janus and Jambres who withstood Moses. You remember that? And Moses is trying to tell Pharaoh, hey, let my people go. And he's like, let me show you something that God, this is the power that my God has. And and so he threw down his rod, and it turned into a snake. I wondered, was that like a a snake that they knew of? Or was this like a, a new kind of snake? I don't know. But these two magicians that were with Pharaoh, nobody really talks about this. They threw down their rods too, didn't they? And they turned to snakes. I'm like, time out. That was not God's power. That was evil, satanic power. And so Paul here is saying, these guys withstood Moses. And you know, you know, Paul, you know you know me, you know that as I've traveled, bad things have happened to me. You know that I've been beaten. You know that I've been whipped. You know that I've been stoned. You know that I've been put in jail. You know all those things. And it's almost like he's saying, hey, Timothy, you know, this, these things might happen to you. You know, it sounds like all bad news. But he gives him something in the end. He's like, basically, Timothy, here's what's going to make a difference in your life. And that's why I want to speak to you about it tonight. That's why I want to bring this part of the chapter to you, is because there's something that can make a difference in your life that we're trying to bring forward to you tonight, twice tomorrow, and twice on Sunday. And that is the Word of God. Notice with me, we'll start in verse 12 He's telling Timothy, "Gay and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax, that means to grow, worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures." which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Let's let's go ahead and say a word of prayer first, well, shall we? Father, thank you for this opportunity, this not just tonight, but this entire weekend, that you are, you have planned, you have purposed. It's not a surprise to you, and you have given us your word to work in our hearts in a special way. You've given us the Holy Spirit, either indwelling us to to change us and to teach us, convict us, or to convict us and to show us our need of you. And I pray that this weekend you would do the work in each individual heart, as you desire to do, and that each young person that's here today would carefully listen and say, look, I'm going to take this opportunity and to investigate and to allow God to work in my heart. And I pray that you would do just that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to look again in verse 16. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. I have thought at many times, I wish I could write a song or a poem, but that is not me. I, I wish I could draw. My, one of my daughters, actually two of them, they t- both take an art class, but my older daughter, she can draw, and she draws all kinds of stuff. And it's not pencil drawing. My favorite is pencil drawing, because when I see somebody draw something with a pencil, like a, a face, and I'm not talking like a stick figure face, but I'm talking, you know, when you see it, and you're like, that's amazing. And it looks like, maybe they, maybe they're looking at someone, and they draw their face, and you just think, how in the world do you do that? Maybe, maybe some of you do that. I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can take your eyes and your hand and draw something that looks so real. I've seen some people do art with a, like a tablet and they use the, the stylus and, and so they can get certain uh, colors and textures and those kind of things. And I've seen them do like, I saw this guy do this face of someone famous and by the time he was done, I'm being flat honest with you. I couldn't tell if it was the real person or if it was still this guy's drawing. It was that good. And, and you're like, it couldn't be that good. I promise you, it was that good. When it comes to writing a poem or something like that, it's the same way. I look at it like, if, you know, you see these kids that are like three years old, and they go and they play the piano like this, like a concert. And you're like, how do you do that? right? You're some kind of piano genius, and they are, right? They do that. I, to me, it's the same thing. It's a gift of God to be able to draw like that. It's a gift of God to be able to write a poem that's not just rhyming phrases, okay? I, I can do that, but it's a gift from God to do that. Now, we might call some of that inspiration. You know, Scott might, I'm sorry, what do they call you? Brother Scott, okay, not father, you're getting kind of (laughs) old. Brother Scott, right? Maybe he gets inspired in about a month from now. It's going to be Valentine's, Valentine's time of the year, and maybe he gets inspired to write a poem about his wife. And there he is sitting in his office looking at the pictures of her, and so he thinks all these lovely thoughts, and he's like, I'm going to write this beautiful poem for my wife. And he starts out, Roses are red. No, no, that's not how he's going to start out. Uh, or, or, or maybe you are at home and you're like, man, I just feel like going out and climbing a tree. I feel like doing this thing. And you feel inspired. It's not the same kind of inspired that God is talking about. But I do think there was probably something there That when Paul sat down, he thought, you know, there's some things that Timothy needs to know. He was inspired in that sense, but God, the word literally means God breathed. I don't know if necessarily God gave his spirit in a special way, I believe that's how it was, into Paul, so that Paul literally wrote exactly the words that God wanted him to write, but yet it wasn't Paul wasn't saying, oh, what's the next word you want me to write? Okay, what's the next word? And then he reads it, and he's like, oh, that actually makes sense. No, no. Paul was using his own personality, using his own style of of grammar. When we read Peter's writings, we're like, Peter, put an end to your sentence. Help us out a little bit. You know, this huge, gigantic paragraph sentence is hard for us to understand. When you read the book of Luke... uh, There's a lot of words that Luke uses that no one else in the New Testament uses, and it's because Luke was a doctor. He studied in that way, and and so there are some things that he knew that some of the other ones didn't. John was very simple in his writings. Well, John was younger than all the rest, and some of that's just his personal style because when God inspired these men to write and used them to write, he used their personalities. He used their experiences, and that's how God wants to use you. God doesn't want you to be like anybody else. God wants you to be like you. A pure form of you. A clean form of you. And that's his part. For you to allow him to do in your life. But it's inspired. You know what that means? If this is God's book, because it is, God wrote it through people, then that means it has authority, doesn't it? It's God's book. It's it's not my book. It's not Pastor Brother Scott. I'm going to get it right by the time we're done. It's not Brother Scott's book. It's not anybody else's book. It's God's. Because it has authority, that means it should be obeyed. Or let's make it personal, that I must obey the Bible. What it says, that's what I need to do. We struggle with that, don't we? We struggle with that. It's, sometimes we just say, I don't like people telling me what to do. I, I don't like that the Bible says to live a certain way. Well, I don't maybe feel like living that way. Some of that is trusting God that his way is best. Some of that is trusting God that that he knows what would work best for me and what's not going to help me out. But it it means it's got authority. It also means that it's accurate. God doesn't make mistakes because he's perfect. Think about that. If God could make mistakes, well, he's got a flaw. I mean, people only make mistakes because we don't know any better sometimes, right? These aren't intentional they're unintentional. It's an accident. There are no accidents with God. And if God could have an accident, if God could have a mistake, well, what does that mean? To me, I'm like, what kind of a God are you if you can't get things right? He would, he's limited. But God is not limited. God does not have accidents. God does not make mistakes. And so his word is going to be exactly what it needs to be. And that means it's never going to be wrong. It's never going to be wrong. Now, there are times in our lives where we say, but God... I don't understand. This doesn't look right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't feel right. And when those things happen, faith is saying, God, your word is true and my feelings are not. Oh, there are genuine feelings. I'm not going to say your feelings aren't genuine, but it doesn't mean that your feelings accurately represent truth. It means my thoughts can be wrong, but God's thoughts are right. And that's what takes faith that I'm going to believe it regardless of what I think and regardless of what I feel. It's accurate. That means I can believe it. It also means, the Bible uses this word illuminating. Now we have a lot of lights in here. Someone knows exactly how many lights are in this room. When you build a building and somebody has to decide that, you know, it needs this. And so somebody knows exactly how many lumens they are and how many, they, all those kind of things. This room is illuminated. That's one of the things that I thought when I walked in. I was like, wow, this is bright. I like this. It's, it's good light. When you have good light, you can see things, right? You can see the, well, there's no dirt on the floor, but if there were dirt on the floor, you can see it. There's a candy bar on the floor, and I can see that, right? There's things that you can see. And, you know, The girls, they need light in the morning when they go into that bathroom and look in that mirror, right? You want to get those hairs right? I have look. I can say this. I have four daughters, four daughters, and I hear it every morning. (laughs) Somebody is saying, "I don't know what to wear." (laughs) Usually, doesn't come out like that. It's usually a little bit more aggressive. Um, Guys, we don't need light in the in the morning. We really don't. Like this is if my hair is longer than it normally is, okay, I normally just go in the bathroom, turn on the hot water until it gets hot enough, and then I'm like, all right, get it on there, all right, we're good. That's, that's, I'm happy with that. I don't want to mess around with my hair. I don't even want to look in the mirror. I don't want to see it. I'm not going to fix it anyway. It's what it is, all right? We live our lives that way. The, the Word of God is illuminating. That's kind of what that song was about, it searches our hearts. Hebrews chapter four, twelve. you know, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So what God is saying is, I am using my word like the lights in this room to shine light into your head, into your heart, into your life, and show you things like the candy bar that's on the floor, the dirt that's on the floor. The, there's something not right. We need to fix that. And God shows us how to fix it, and he tells us that. He, he, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he illuminates things in our lives through the word of God. Why should you be in the Bible every day? Because it will show you things that you didn't know before. You walk around outside in the dark at night, and it's good to have a flashlight. So, you don't step on something you don't want to step on, so you don't run into something that you don't want to run into. You need that light, and the Word of God is illuminating. And in fact, in John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus said, It's good for you that I go to heaven, because when I go to heaven, I'm going to send somebody to help you the Holy Spirit. That's why this book is inspired. It's a special book, it's also miraculous, it changes lives. It changes lives. There's been times in my life where there was something that wasn't right. And I, I argued against it. I, my logic, I felt like my logic was good. In fact, I, I think about some of those things. I thought, you know, my logic was pretty good. And uh, I didn't have any real reason to change that thing in my life. And, and I remember sitting down in a service, and the preacher got up to preach. And I don't even know if he's going to preach. He might have been just teaching. And he opened his Bible, and he read two verses. And in those two verses, I was like... I remember I said this in my head, I'm done, because I knew I was wrong. That's all I, in fact, he could have given an invitation, but it really wouldn't have mattered, because I knew in my heart what was right and what was wrong, and the decision that I needed to make. That's miraculous. Sure, people can say things to you about things in your life, and you're like, yeah, you're right, but there's something about the Word of God that grips our heart in a way that we almost can't describe. I mean, your heart rate might even increase during a message because you know that God has a hold of you. You know, people that are convicted about whether or not their sins are forgiven and they're going to go to heaven, they don't know if they have a relationship with God, they know when that preacher is preaching, it's like, some people say this, it's like the preacher knew all about me and he was speaking to me. Well, yeah, we're speaking to you. But when it feels like that, you know why it feels like that? Because it's God that's speaking through his word into your heart. And you know that that truth is inescapable. It's undeniable. That's the miracle of the word of God. That's one of the reasons why we know that it's inspired. Sure, it says it's inspired, and so we're going to take that on faith. But there's something about it that even as a An old guy, when I hear preaching, and I know, hey, you know what? That's me. That's what needs to change in my life. That's truth. It's God's truth. And God is speaking it to me right now so that I can make the change that I need to make. Look, in the next two and a half days, we're going to have a lot of fun. Looks like they're going to have a lot of food. And there's going to be some preaching. We're going to spend more time maybe even eating than we are preaching. But that's okay. Because I want to I shoot bullets, right? I want to shoot bullets right at your heart with the Word of God. Would you say, would you say look, if God speaks to me, I'll answer. If, if God speaks to me, I'll obey. If God speaks to me, I will listen. That's, that's what I am asking you to do, and that's what God wants for you is to just say, look, I'll listen to what God says. When he works in my heart, that's what I'll do it. I'm not going to ignore what God's trying to do. I'm going to take these two and a half days and say, Lord, what do you want me to say? Because your book is inspired, and therefore I'm going to listen to it. A second thing he says is, all scripture, verse 16, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. So the second reason we need to be listening to God's Word, we need to be in God's Word, is because of its instruction. Not just because it's always a special book, but because there's instruction there for us. It says for doctrine. Doctrine means teaching. Not teaching math, okay? Amen. You know, we're not going to have math tests this weekend. Well, I don't think we are. But I'm not going to give you any math tests this weekend. I'm not going to give you any science tests or anything like that. But this gives you instruction in righteousness and the doctrine, the teaching. Now, what other doctrines? What, what are we talking about? Well, look back at verse 15. He says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise, unto what? Salvation. He says even children can know some of the teaching of God's word. And there's a lot of teaching out there how a person can be saved. A lot of stuff that the Bible doesn't teach. And sometimes people will take the Bible and twist it. But there's some very simple things that we know. John 3.16 is a, is, is a verse that I think my kids are one of the first verses they ever learned. For God so loved the world. Hey, that's a pretty simple concept, right? That God loves the world. Well, how much? So much that he gave his only begotten son. Well, who was that? Well, we know that that was Jesus, that he gave Jesus to us. He came as a baby. He, he grew up in this world. He, he lived a sinless life. But that, he, that giving had to do with him dying on a cross and rising again from the dead. The reason he did that is because the penalty for sin is what? It's death. That's what the Bible says. He told, he told Adam and Eve, look, the day you eat thereof, they'll surely die. And that process of death started immediately when they sinned. And that death is passed upon all men. You know how we know the Bible is true? Because everybody dies. That's what God said would happen. We all do wrong things. Every one of us has that insight. We know that. We think wrong thoughts. We feel wrong things. We get angry with people. We, we lie. We cheat. We do all those things, right? So we know that. But Jesus Christ came to die so that we don't have to eternally, and rise from the dead so that he can give us new life, new life. And it says at the end of that verse that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he says a child can know this. You know, my, I have, a, my youngest is six, but even when she was five, she was talking about those concepts that she was learning in church. I mean, come on, like a three-year-old can know. I do wrong things, right? Everybody can understand. I do wrong things. Can you say it with me? I do wrong things. All right, so you can admit that. And there's a penalty for wrong things. Ultimately, I'm going to answer to God. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus. Well, she understands that, that Jesus is from God, that Jesus paid the price for my sin, that, that I can be forgiven. Hey, that's simple, great news. And he's saying, Timothy, there are some doctrines you've known from a child that you, can, that you could be saved by placing your faith in him. Even as a child, you could know that. Well, that's some of the doctrines. There's a lot of different doctrines. There's doctrine about what Jesus is going to do in the future. There's doctrines about sin and what sin is. There's doctrines about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. There's all kinds of those kind of doctrines. And the Bible is profitable for that. It says for reproof. Hey, there's some reproof that's probably going to come this week that the Holy Spirit's going to reprove you. Meaning he's going, say, he's going to say, Brother Scott, your heart's not right in this area. You know, or your name. Your heart's not right in this area. This is something. And that's reproof. And sometimes it feels like, oh, I don't like this feeling. That conviction of, yeah, that's me. Most, if not all of you, have been there. You know what it's like to feel that reproof from God. Well, it's profitable for that. Not only that, but for correction. God just doesn't say, oh, tell us what's wrong, but he tells us how to live Right? that's great. Hey, I've been doing this the wrong way. How do I do this the right way? I don't know what I'm doing. And God's like, here, I gave you a book that I inspired to help you to live what's right. Instruction in righteousness. As a dad, I have bought many things for my kids for Christmas and birthdays, especially when they were much younger. I bought one of those little kitchen sets you can put over in a corner, and it's got all these things. My goodness, that was a mistake. There are so many parts to that. There's so many pieces, little plastic pieces that had to break out of stuff and snap together and put stickers on all this stuff. And, and uh, you know, at first I was like, oh, this is good. And it turned out to be no fun at all. And I have learned, just read the instructions. Because if you don't read the instructions, you're going you're gonna to get it backwards. There's things that I put together and I was like, yeah, this is looking right. And then it's like, now I'll do this. And I'm like, I can't do that now because I already put this part together. So what you have to do, take it all apart and follow the instructions, put it back together. There's times in our lives we're trying to prevent this for you because you're young. There's times in our lives where we don't read the instructions. We do things the wrong way and it becomes a problem. And God is saying, look, I've given you my word for instruction in your life. And then lastly, I want you to see verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Perfect. Somebody said Nobody's perfect. No, but the Bible says that I can be. And the Bible says that Job was perfect and upright. You know, it doesn't mean Job never sinned, but what it does mean is Job was everything that God wanted him to be. I believe that every young person in this room, today and tomorrow and forever, can be everything that God wants you to be. You know, one of those things that Job did that God says, this is one of the reasons he was perfect— is that he continually sought God and made sacrifice. In other words, he would say, hey, it could be that I sinned today, or I know that, you know, hey, we do things wrong. So he made it possible for his family to stay right with God by saying, hey, we're going to make a sacrifice so that we can confess our sins to the Lord. And this is a representation of our faith in God, that our sin must be punished, that this animal, its lifeblood, represents us, and that our sin the penalty of death. So he did that, and God said, because he was consistently getting right with me, I look at this guy as someone that I value as perfect. And if you're staying consistently right with God, and sure, I'm not saying you're perfect, you never sin, but when you do, you're like, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. Lord, I, I confess that to you. You know, he forgives you. That's what God wants of you. You're, you're trying to stay away from evil? You're trying to do right? God says, that's the person that I say is perfect. And he said, I've given the word of God to make you thoroughly, that make you perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. And there's a lot of things that you say, I'm not really good at that. I'm not really good at serving the Lord in this way. And God says, I can make you good at that. So while I'm not good at talking to people about him. You know, the simplest things that you can say to people, God can use those things if you say them whether you're good at it or not. In fact, Paul said in one passage, he said, I have learned that when I'm weak, when I'm not good at something, I'm strong, because it's the power of God, not me. You know, sometimes the problem is we're good at something, and so we trust in ourselves and not in God, but God says, look, trust me in the work that I'm doing in your life through your life, and I'll make it even better than it could be just in your hands. God has given us his word to instruct us, to make us, its intentions, to make us perfect, to make us what God wants us to be. Would you take the time these next couple days and say, Lord, I'm going to listen to your word. I'm going to let you apply it to my heart so that I can be what you want me to be. I am willing to do that. That is what I'm asking you to do in this service. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. In this invitation time, we'll call it that, time of decision, I I don't know what makes more sense to you. But this isn't a time to fold your things and pack your stuff, okay? Because sometimes we get distracted by putting stuff in bags and folding stuff and zipping our Bible covers and all those things. No, this is the time for you to say, Lord, what you've just told me is what I want to do in my life. What you've just showed me, Lord, is... Help me to follow you in that way. Maybe God has spoken to your heart about just listening this weekend to God's word. And you would say by the upraised hand, I will do that. I will listen to what God has to say to me during the preaching times this weekend. If that's you, would you raise your hand? All across the room. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't just raise it to me. And you can put your hands down. But maybe that's something that you need to communicate to God. God, I'll do this. Would you do that right now? God, I will listen when you speak. And you say that to the Lord right now. Maybe some of you, God has shown you, hey, the the Bible is more valuable than I thought it was. There's more there for me than I thought. So I'm going to make a choice in my life that I'm going to be in it, that I'm going to read it more than I already do. And maybe that's a decision you need to make. But, you know, we talked a little bit about this. And maybe there's somebody here today that you'd say, "You know, I don't know Jesus. I don't I don't know him. But I also don't know that if I died that I'd be on my way to heaven. I don't know that my sins are forgiven. I don't I really don't know anything about that, but I am curious. I am concerned. Would you please pray for me without anybody else looking around, just just myself? Is there anybody who would say, "Please pray for me about that. I I don't know that for myself about being saved. I don't know really maybe even know what that means, but But I'd like to know, would you please pray for me? Anybody in the room at all? All right, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand to your feet? As a hymn begins to play, maybe you need to give something to the Lord right now in prayer. And whether you come to this altar, whether you kneel in your seat, would you do that? Would you pray and dedicate that to the Lord? Lord, I'm going to listen this weekend. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to give my time in the Word of God because I trust what God has to say. Father, we thank you for your work through your word. That you do speak to us and that you have given us the Holy Spirit so that each and every one of us can hear from you in our hearts exactly what we need to hear. Lord, I, I've seen you work in ways before that I, didn't, I just didn't understand. But Lord, we're going to trust you that you would do that. Now help us this week as the word of God is opened that we would see each time what you would have us to see, and that we would be willing, submitted, and obedient to what you would have to say. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Brother Scott.
0: It's about nice clothes. God's spoken to your heart. The altar's open. If you feel like you need to talk to a youth worker, pray with them about something specifically, you can go to the back of the auditorium. The altar's open here. We're just going to take a few minutes dinner activities all that we'll have time for that all right let's let's take time for what god's spoken to you about Way in just a second, we're gonna uh, pray for the food we're about to eat. Uh, thank you, Brother Clark, for that challenge. Um, two two things, real quick. Um, saw a lot of hands in the air. People who said, "Hey, Lord, whatever you want from me the next three days, whatever you're gonna speak to my heart about, Lord, I'm open to that." So I'm gonna be praying uh, that for myself, but also for you. Uh, so let's pray for each other in that way. And second of all, I thought it was a tremendous thought. The passage that he was working through is that you can be everything that God wants you to be. And that that starts with God's word, and uh, that starts with this conference. So um, let's open ourselves up, uh, every service, to what God is